With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Seahawks fans, welcome to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alpstead, here with Keith Myers. Keith. Welcome to the show, man. Tough, tough loss, but welcome anyway. And we're going to do this thing no matter what. We're always here. Yeah. I mean, after a loss like that, it's good for us, you and I, to get together. We do the show. It's cathartic. Feel better about uh, everything leaving or at least feel, I don't know, less anxious about yeah. it and just get, just get all the nonsense talk, talk out. Talk it out. Talk Seahawks football. That's, yeah, that's what do we that. do. So, um, Yeah. So we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that awful game. We're going to turn our attention at the end to the next game on the docket, which is the New York Jets, uh, winless New York Jets. They almost won. They they had a big, huge mistake by their defensive coordinator. Cost him his job. Of course, he was probably on the way out, you know, at the end of the season anyway. But they just decided to jettison him after that terrible call against the uh, the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Kind of crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the type of call that... Um... Well, remind everybody what, what happened, kind of. Okay, so uh, the the Jets were actually beating the Raiders. The Raiders were um, five seconds left. You just Hail have Mary. to. That's it. Yeah, you, you, you got a Hail Mary type situation. All you do in that situation is. Drop eight or nine into coverage um, and bat it down. Yep, bat it down. Or if they complete something underneath to make a tackle. Game over, you win. Um, and instead. Greg Williams did a uh, zero coverage, uh, so no safeties at all. Everyone in man coverage and uh, blitzed. Yeah. And 
Yeah. And so they just, they completed a pass and there was no safety back and easy uh, pitch and catch for a touchdown. And the Jets are, yeah, the Jets lost. And Greg Williams honestly shouldn't be employed after that. That was, I mean, he's, he's been some bad genuinely defenses. bad all yeah, year, yeah, yeah. but that, that's, that's, um, there that makes absolutely no sense on any level. Uh, people have been saying like, "Oh yeah, you know, he was trying to lose to help them uh, tank for Trevor Lawrence." Come on, no, they, that's why they fired him the next day. That's just unbelievably yeah. terrible. So that's the team but, we face. So now, now, yeah. of course, against the Seahawks, there's a tad bit of uncertainty when they go into the game with the new DC. We'll 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 talk about that. Um, well, it's they they won't have Greg Williams. We know they won't blitz as much because Greg Williams is notorious for blitzing like at every opportunity. Sure. And so no matter who I would it is, met, they're going to yeah, blitz. They're going to probably stick with the scheme, quote unquote, overall, mm-hmm. just because you can't change in, in, a, in a week's time. You just can't. Yeah. And so. Yeah, they'll do the same thing. And they've got their, just... uh, their uh, linebacker coach is the interim DC. So they're going to mm-hmm. run the same stuff. They may not blitz as, as much, but they'll they'll still be doing it. I mean, they got to do what they got to do. Um, and against oh, yeah. Russell Wilson, that's been proven to be somewhat effective against the mm-hmm. Seahawks. So we'll talk about that. Um, Let's see. The Rams also won. They beat the Cardinals, came back. I thought the Cardinals were going to have that one. And then yeah, Rams are eight and four really, back tiebreaker really just, in first place with the Seahawks. Yep. So they're, they're back in first place because they own the tiebreaker over Seattle. For now, Seattle um, drops to the fifth seed in the NFC, which might ne- ne- not necessarily be a bad thing. If, if we that's keep winning, Keith, you know we got to we got to talk about this schedule and like what's happening to this team, and you know there's a, there's well, just more to it than just this current record right now. Like wheels are kind of coming off a little bit. Three and four in the last seven. Uh, you know it's it's just yeah it's it's weird. Yeah, and I'm just saying that if you you end up in the fifth seed in the first round, you play the winner of the NFC East, which is probably the Giants. Um, and we saw them; our defense shut them down. Our offense just did nothing. But um, that's an entirely winnable game, no matter what. Um, so unless you can you can unseat the Saints from the number one seed and get that first round by. Well, let's talk. Let's know. talk realistic. I don't know scenario. If being the five seed is probably the well, best. Well, here's the situation too. You know, you could take a look pessimistically at this remaining schedule, and you could say the Seahawks could go one and three, end up at nine and seven out of the playoffs. I mean, that's that's kind of where the the worst case scenario is that's in play. I mean, that is a possibility given the way that we've been playing. Or we could clean out. We could go. You know, we could get to twelve wins. Um, there's a huge spectrum to me, depending on which team shows up from here on out, you know, and we yeah. need to be realistic um, about that because I'm not sure, you know? Well, and, and I think, I think we can get into that as we talk yeah. about the, this Giants game, because the problem this week for the first time all year, the problem was not the defense. I don't know if it's the, the defense first played... time, but, but the def- but the offense well, didn't show all up of at the... all. You know, all of the all. losses are on, were on the defense. Um, I mean, you have the, the turnovers by Wilson, but there was also a lot of historically bad defense mixed in there. So the team couldn't overcome uh, the turnovers. But 
the defense has been bad. I mean, let's just we can leave it at that. The defense has been bad, but in this game they weren't. They were yeah, good. The last three and or four the, games they've been showing up though. Yeah, and the and um, the offense wasn't. The offense wasn't good at all. The offense was was Took just a step putrid yeah. bad. I mean, it was terrible. So before we get into all that, let's let's talk about the the news and notes uh, this week. Just talk about some injury type news for the most part. Um, we talked about the the, the NFC West, and the NFC standings uh, right up front. Rashad Penny set to return tomorrow, um, Wednesday, um, mm-hmm. for the for the team. That's that's big news considering Chris Carson's injuries, Carlos Hyde's injuries. If you get Penny back, granted he's coming off an ACL with no practice at all. Uh, but we'll see if by the playoffs he's kind of a, a piece there that we can work with um, to help to help that out. Daryl Taylor, um, interesting news this last week. Uh, Pete said he went out for some medical treatment, uh, a second opinion. He not only got the second opinion, he ended up getting an injection in his um, leg. Don't know if that's plasma or if that's cortisone or whatever, but uh, Pete said he would take a, a couple weeks uh, to further evaluate that. Um, that kind of points to plasma in a sense that it takes about 14 days for results to kind of um, to, to come out on stuff like that. So we'll see. Like you might as well just forget about it this year is, is basically kind of what I'm saying. There's no reason that the team would um, bring him in for one game at the at the end of the year in playoffs. The guy just doesn't have any uh, reps with the team, no practice. Um, that would be a somewhat awkward situation. Well, I mean, what we were told a couple of weeks ago is, was that he was getting close. And then what we were told uh, this last week was that he's no closer than he was this summer. Um, and that is that's an interesting like thing there where we're, we're told one thing. And then a couple of weeks later, we're told something totally different and he did leave and he went for a second opinion. Um, and it, the thought when he left was that he might be done for the year that shut him down and, and come back. Now it's going to be a, he had a, you know, what we believe is a platelet rich plasma injection and he'll be back, um, you know, in two weeks and they'll, they'll know whether it will have him at any point this year. I agree. I don't think he's going to, play he's going to sit there um on the inactive list um on reserve until somebody gets hurt and they're desperate so let me ask you this uh, and i know you're not a medical so. a guy but we can just kind of speculate just a little bit um on a non-knee situation or a non-joint uh situation mm-hmm. which this is to the best of my knowledge it's not the ankle mobility wise it's not the knee it's in between he's he's fractured that leg with a rod now inserted into the into that um into that bone and so when you get an injection of plasma what are you trying to accomplish with that is that specifically to enhance healing of ligament tear damage um where they've you know they actually placed the the rod um, in the bone itself, like is the bone stitching of that fracture not completely solid? Um, like why would they put an injection in a non-joint okay. situation? So, okay. So if, 
if the if the bone wasn't healing around everything, then um, they he wouldn't have been running. They would have gone in and redone surgery, done a bone graft. That that would have happened a long time ago. Um, so that's not the issue. The um, the issue here is yeah, when you have to go in and put the rod inside the bone you end up with a fairly big incision you do there's a lot of damage to the to the musculature and and stuff around it as you're taking the the joint of, or the leg apart in order to get the rod in there and so what you end up with when you have all the stuff put back together is uh there's some there's obviously there's inflammation and then as you use the muscle and it's rubbing across you know a bone that's not as smooth you can get some inflammation from there it's irritation and and other problems. And so what they're trying to do is they're trying to just get all that stuff um, calmed down and uh, healed and back to normal. So that way he can use the muscles and stuff around where that, uh, where the rod went in, where the, where the, and not have that, that inner, that, um, that constant pain that comes from it. And it's, you know, it's, it's, is uh, it, it's is an it interesting a, is thing. Is it a it's, time issue now? Or is there a possibility that he may never play to to the level, the explosion level that he had before the injury? Well, I think it's more of a time issue. I mean, it, it comes down to him and what's his work ethic like? How hard is he working? What, how much is he putting into it in terms of keeping the rest of his body um, ready to go? Because that's what's going to determine it, not the leg. Um, with the leg, it's a matter of getting... Um, getting it healed to a point where he can do stuff without pain. And if once he gets to that, he'll be back playing. Um, now he, it may always bother him a little bit in terms of the pain and whatnot. I mean, that's pretty common with, with that kind of stuff, but it doesn't mean it's going to stop him from doing anything. Right. It's just, okay. So he's got a little bit of, you know, he, he ices it after every game. I say shut it down. I would rather not take the chance at this point. Don't need him. We don't need him on the team. That we're not desperate, and so I I would say shut it down, put him on on IR, get him out, and and reevaluate in May. Um, be, you know, mini camp, see where he's at, bring him along so he's ready for training camp because, um, you don't want to screw this thing up and have to redo this thing because that would set it back yeah. another calendar year. Well, you wouldn't have, you're never going to have to redo like where the bone They've is. talked about um, it. They've talked about it. Not, not recently, but they talked about it in May or June as, as something where he was going to come along a little slower and they talked about, you know, who did, who did the, the surgery, what they did. Um, the fact that it's not healing as fast may point to an indication that they may have to redo it. And, and I just, and I haven't heard that since about May, and I don't know where yeah. I where I got that. To be completely honest, I haven't I haven't heard that. I mean, uh, there is a thing where if the if the way the bone healed, it's got like a ridge at the the break spot, uh, and it's like the muscle moving on that, and it's causing him the pain, and it's you know wearing on the muscle and that kind of stuff. They may go back in and file that down, and and make that part of the bone smooth. Um, but you're not talking about re-breaking the bone and any of that. I mean, that's that's not a concern in this case. So you're not talking about like resetting the well, clock and having every indication is yet. that he was about eighty-five percent 
90% mm-hmm. before this little side trip. And so, yeah, I mean, to me, 90% after uh, 10 months is pretty decent for that sort of an injury. Uh, come to find out, they were thinking all along that he would be available in week 8 to 12. Um, mm-hmm. At least that's what they're saying at this point. Um, so I'd just say shut him down. Yeah, I'm I'm all for, you know, just letting it play out. You have the flexibility within the the system to leave him on the um on the reserve list but without shutting him down because if his lay reacts to this um this injection, this treatment that he's getting now and the pain goes away and if he was 85-90% um before this and he's, you know, better than that uh now you know, why not get him, you know, you're, you're, you're given three weeks of practice time. So what happens if they use his, you know, three weeks of practice time just to get him some reps with the practice squad guys and then shut him down, right? What's, what's the, what's the harm? Well, they've been that? doing giving, that. I mean, basically he's been, he's not though. He, cause he's not allowed to practice. He's been working on a side field, you know, running and, and, and working out, but he's not actually getting reps and, and practicing with the guys and learning you know, the system from inside it, he's just watched film and that kind of stuff. And it would be valuable for him to get three weeks with the reps, um, with, you know, the backups, the third string guys and, and that kind of stuff just for his learning. And so to me, there's no, there's no downside to waiting it out and seeing if, if you can get that out of him. And then if he's picking that stuff up well, and his leg's still not bothering him. And then, you know, Benson Mayoa gets hurt again or Alton Robinson gets hurt or something like that. And you need a body. Okay. It's week 16 and you've got a body. Um, and you know, you can get him a couple of games of, um, actual game experience where he's taken 10 snaps a game or something. It'll, it'll speed his, um, it'll speed his learning up for next year. And so I don't see any reason why you just have to be like, no, we're done. Just shut him down. And, and, not even think about it because there's there's a lot to be lost by doing that. All right, Brandon Shell supposed to come back, return after that the uh, high ankle. We need him. Thank God. Yeah, it's it's been kind of nuts. I mean, Jamarco Jones did okay. He got hurt. Wheeler came in, looked like a practice squad he, guy. He was a turnstile. Yeah, and so Brandon Shell back would help. Um, Apati's you know, was hurt in this last game, um, a little bit. And so, mm-hmm. um, Jordan Simmons came in for, for a while. The offensive line has just not been in sync for, for a while. And it's been, uh, difficult, uh, especially yeah. since Brian Schottenheimer seems intent upon, uh, staying with the, the long ball game and, and these long developing routes. And we'll talk about that. Uh, Quentin Dunbar. It's supposed to return from IR and practice. Uh, hopefully that knee is quieted down for him and he can have an impact um, in full health. Uh, it would be nice to kind of see that before the end of the year to find out if you reinvest in a guy like that or allow him to walk. Ryan Neal has a hip pointer out of this game, although Pete did say that it wasn't as serious as they originally thought and that he probably would come along and play in this game um, which is good news because he's Neal really having been a, such a uh, yeah, good he's impact. Been such a pleasant surprise. Um, and you saw it in, in this last game where he um, was on as the as the the dime 
uh, player, and he came up and made a couple of big plays. Tossed an interception for Quentin Dunbar. Or not Quentin Dunbar. Um, Diggs. Yeah, Diggs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, had an impact. I mean, he's he's just been this pleasant surprise, this, this great find, because, I mean, this was a practice squad guy for the last couple of years. He wasn't even on the roster week one, but they had so many injuries at safety yeah. that he became the starter almost instantly off the practice squad and held it down, did pretty well, and has continued to play well even with, um, you know, spotty minutes um, and snap counts since then. He just, when he's on the field, It's he interesting, plays. Keith, and I, that you and I were both talking about it in the spring, uh, needing a guy that we could develop um, as a corner, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. And uh, the cool thing about Ryan Neal is, is he was the kind of guy that, that I was really looking at because he was long, had that nice speed. And then um, the Adams injury came and he ended up playing some safety. And I was like, oh, this guy could play safety. And now he's playing a little uh, dime and, and nickel. He, I'm sure he can probably play some outside in, in uh, a pinch. Um, a guy like that on the roster, especially with the special teams, he blocked the punt um, mm-hmm. in this game. I think it was probably one of the best plays of the game, quite honestly, for the Seahawks. And... Um, just that ability overall to be able to impact uh, the team from that fourth or fifth corner spot on the team is, is a real nice thing. I think it probably points to the, the end of the run for Nico Thorpe. I, um, you know, I, he's been oft injured the last couple of years. Like you've been saying that for a couple of I years. I know now. he keeps coming uh, <laughs> back. I don't know, but I mean, you got to well, admit that Ryan Neal would be a definitely a, a less expensive replacement for Nico Thorpe. And and oh, yeah. and the way that Ryan's been playing, uh, he gives you way more upside on the field um, than Nico Thorpe ever did. Yeah, he does. And um, you know, you know Thorpe's the captain, and I get why they keep bringing him back because you know he's he's one of the best of the best when it comes to special team stuff, and he's such a great guy, and like the, the, he's such a hard worker, and there's a reason why he's a captain, right? Um, and then, but he has not been able to stay healthy. You can't do your job if you're not on the field. And at some point, they are going to have to move on. And, you know, having the way Cody Barton has played this oh, year yeah. uh, on special teams. Um, he makes a ton now, of tackles. Oh, God, he makes, he makes all he makes the tackles, all the tackles and kickoff right. returns. <laughs> um, and then you throw in uh, the way Ryan Neal's played. And I think you've got, um, some special teams chops. Well, we're third now. in the NFL in special teams overall. That doesn't surprise me yeah. at all. Um, and so I, I just think that you can, you can feel much more comfortable moving on from a guy like Thorpe than um, you would have in the past. Now that you've seen it done at a very high level by other guys. So Carlos Hyde and Chris Carson should be a hundred percent this week. Um, Carlos Hyde, um, had a turf toe and uh, he's finally getting back. And then Chris Carson should be a hundred percent according to Pete Carroll, which is good news. I think they need both those guys at a hundred percent gives us more options uh, to be able to run the ball and run effectively. Carlos Dunlap had restricted snap count in this last game and uh, should be closer to a hundred percent by this weekend. Um, And so that's good news. Uh, He was fairly ineffective in his limited count. Um, they just had him on on third third down for the most part in this last game. Um, all right, so let's let's get this thing over with, Keith. <laughs> Seattle ends up losing to the 
New York Giants. Um, I have to say, uh, 12, to, 12 to 17, I have to say that the Giants defense surprised me a little bit. I knew that they were coming in um, playing pretty well, but man, they just made everything really tough for the Seahawks. Their defensive line was very effective against our offensive line, which has become less and less effective over the last four or five weeks. Um, you know, the NFC teams were 0-17 coming in. Uh, Colt McCoy didn't do much in this game. Everything was going to have to be on the run defense. Um, and, it, and it was true. Uh, Colt McCoy ended up 13-22 for 105 yards of TD and interception. Where they killed us was on the ground which was really surprising considering that we've been a very good run team, run defense team this year. They, they allowed mm-hmm. a couple of chunk plays, including a 60 yarder, uh, two drives in the third quarter basically killed the, 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 the game. Um, given the fact that our offense was so inept, uh, which was just unreal. Um, you know, the offense generated three points on, on the first drive. And then a single TD with six minutes to go in the game. That was it. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, then the, opening, the, the safety. The opening drive was nice, right? They, they drove it down the field. Everything looked easy. It looked great. Um, they, they got down into, like, you know, in the red zone. And they had a couple of, you know, plays that just didn't go the way they, they wanted them to. And they ended up settling for a field goal. And you're like, you know what? They moved the ball so easy. It's going to be fine. Um, and that was literally the last time they did anything significant on offense until the fourth quarter. Until like eight minutes yeah. left or what it yeah. was. They didn't do anything else the rest of the I game. I have to they admit, when they did that, the when they had that drive with Chris Carson scoring on the, on the reception, touchdown reception, I thought, you know, that was the drive that we needed to kind of kickstart this thing. I don't know where it was, but I'll take it and um, let's go get the next one. So let's get a stop. Let's go get the next, let's get the ball back and let's score. And that's kind of what happened. Seahawks ended up with the ball back, you know, in a, in a two minute situation with a couple timeouts and you're thinking Russell Wilson, two minutes psh, came in the bag, right? Especially against the giants. I mean, let's get this thing done. I know it's been painful, but Holy cow, here it is right in front of us. No. No, no, it just wasn't meant to be. It wasn't going to happen. No. Hats God, off to the played, Giants. Whatever they did yeah, scheme-wise. The well defensively. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, I mean, what they did scheme-wise was they put two they, they safeties take away back. the deep throw. And I kid you not, Brian Schottenheimer and Russell Wilson are both guilty of trying to yeah. get more out of the, the, the offense than teams are are allowing us. You know, you got to yeah. take what the defense is giving you. And right now, teams are giving us things underneath. They're giving us the run game. Uh, you got to take those things. And um, and the quick quick game, quick uh, reads, quick outs, uh, screen game, all that stuff is available. We're just not doing it. And and when we are yeah. electing to do it, quite frankly, the, the offensive line is breaking down a little bit. And we're, we're giving up some sacks. Russell Wilson's holding the ball. I mean, Russell Wilson was sacked five times, hit ten times. Right, lost forty-seven mm-hmm. yards on those sacks. Unbelievable. Yeah, some of those sacks were yeah. bad. I mean, he's yeah. running backwards mm-hmm. as he's getting sacked and losing extra yards. I mean, it's just there's so many things wrong right now, Keith. I mean, you know, Wilson the first uh, five games, one twenty-three at one sixty-nine, seventy-three percent, nineteen touchdowns, three interceptions, MVP. Right, passer mm-hmm. rating one twenty-nine. Last seven games. 
182, 267, 68%, 13 touchdowns, eight interceptions, a bunch of fumbles, 93 rating. Um, it's, it's just imploding. I mean, we averaged 31 points and in, in six yards per play coming in. That was including the, the offense not playing very well in the last three weeks. We ended up scoring 12 points in this game and uh, averaged like four and a half yards per play. Um, I, I, and the defense has been improving this entire time that the offense has been imploding. So it's just the, the script is flipped. You know, if you can get both those things on in sync, like the defense is playing as well as it has been, and the and the first eight game Russell Wilson shows up, man, we we would be totally contending in these games, winning these games, being in the playoff hunt as a first seed. And now the 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 entire season has come into question because of the yeah. remaining schedule and the seeding. And once we get to the playoffs, are we going to be able to do anything? Well, I mean, you, what you look at here is uh, if you if they get if the defense continues to play the way that it has the last three games, and the offense returns to its form from early in the season, you have arguably the best team in the NFL. Not um, except for maybe Kansas City or Pittsburgh, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, but you have the best team in the NFC, and you have a team that's gonna um, get through to the Super Bowl, and then we'll see what happens. Um, but the way the offense is playing right now, playoffs can be in can be in jeopardy because they're not doing any. And, and the thing is, it's not it's not just what other teams are doing to them. Um, I went through it and watched the tape on this because I really wanted to see what what was going on with the offense. So you watch the L twenty two, so it's the, the camera that's back, so you can see all the players. And Wilson had guys open and didn't throw the ball. Yeah, and instead waited and waited. And then threw it away. Um, like there was one, I think it was third and 16. Um, and he threw the ball in the dirt at DJ Dallas's feet. Uh, I don't know if you remember that play, but he had uh, Metcalf on a crosser about for only about like a five or six yard gain. But it's Metcalf, right? So you get him the ball, let him catch it and see if he can break a tackle. Um, you also, he also had a Hollister over the middle, wide open. But he's got to get the ball out of his hand and to Hollister. And by the time he, you look at it, by the time he was thinking about it, it was already too late to throw the ball. You throw it at that point, the safety comes over and, and either breaks it up or gets a pick. And so or he's he, wrapped he up or just, hit or yeah, his timing yeah, is completely he, off. It, just in indecisive and his timing's off and he's just not getting the ball to the right guy at the right yeah, time. Yeah. The overthrows and, and the underthrows and the fumbled snap and with the giants re recovering and the intentional grounding. Mm -hmm and the interceptions, and the five sacks for 47 yards. Yeah, Russell Wilson has 12 turnovers in, in, in the four losses we've got, and he's only got three turnovers in the eight wins. Um, that's why it's an, I think it's an equal part play call scheming situation, and it's uh, and, and an equal part Russell Wilson because you've got it in his position, as good as he is, and he's a future Hall of Famer, uh, he needs to do better. He needs to have pre-snap reads that are way better than he's got going right now. He's not picking up line calls. He should be picking up. They're obvious. Um, at, at this point, um, teams are, are blitzing him. Teams are coming at him. Teams are stunting. Uh, they're disguising coverages. Um, he's gotta be able to read those things quicker to make 
quicker decisions. Um, you know, he's he's holding the ball, you know, three and a half, four seconds um, in this game. Uh, I think the longest I uh, the longest time to throw the ball uh, in in the game in a game this last week, and mm-hmm. still got sacked five times. And so yeah. it's just not happening. Well, that's that's why he got sacked five times. Yeah, because he wasn't he wasn't getting the ball yeah. out of his hand. Um, there is there's another thing there is that um, the announcers at one point in the game said that they wanted these slower developing plays because the Giants do so much moving it um, before the snap and disguising what they're doing, and they wanted to give Wilson a chance to actually wait for them to declare what they're doing, which is after the snap before, uh, you know, having to, you know, figure out where the what ball happened is going to the fact that, So they wanted what it to, to be the that fact slow. That when we dictate terms, like what's yeah. going on with that team? Like we know. were dictating but, terms. We owned the NFL. We were the best offense well, the, in the league. The, Russell Wilson was the, the MVP sh- of the league and we're allowing teams like the giants to dictate what we do. Yeah. Um, Schottenheimer, like I, I, they, I heard that and they said that, yeah, that Schottenheimer told them that in their, in their meetings and blah, blah. And I'm like, why? That's just, that's terrible. Um, uh, I get why you'd want to do it. At least um, early in, in the game. In theory, in early, maybe. In, you know, in theory or whatnot. But, um, you know what, you know what you want to do. Go do it. Go do it well. And that's what they did in that opening drive when they drove it down the length of the field. They didn't wait. Yeah to see what the giants were going to do. And then go, okay, so now that means we can do this other thing. Um, they just took what they wanted and they have, they have got to stop being cute and just freaking play football because it's not working. It's just not working. And last week I was on here ranting about the defense because they gave up 300 yards and a half to a team that just benched their quarterback because they played so badly. Um, and now the, the defense wasn't a problem in this game. The defense only gave up 105 yards passing in the entire and game. 17 points. Yeah, I mean, the defense played great. They allowed 290 the total great. yards and 17 points. Man, I'll take yeah. that all day long. That's well below league average. Yeah. So you look at you look at the comparative and you're like, well, it's still the Giants. Well, it's 190 the rushing yards. No, you don't want to see that. It's Colt McCoy and all of that. But you know what? Um, In fact, that's the disappointing thing, Keith, right there. The defense allowed 190 yards rushing when they were facing Colt McCoy, right? That's the one thing that you don't want to do. You you shut down the run. You make the, the Giants one-dimensional. They're already fairly one-dimensional with the run game being their only thing. And and here mm-hmm. you come into the, the, the game ranked third in the NFL in defending the run, and you allowed them to run 190 yards on you, take you out of the game essentially in the third quarter by allowing two drives, two scoring drives back to back. That's when well, we didn't convert the, on the fourth how, down, and they, and they scored from 48 yards out. Yeah, I mean, you look at why that happened. The uh, as far as the run um, is that they ran the right play. When the Seahawks were coming on a pass rush, they had guys blitzing in off, um, you know, off the the defense's left side. So the 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 uh, K- offense's KJ right, right side got lost the edge. Yeah, and so, well, so you got you've got guys blitzing there, so you you're you're you don't have like Jamal Adams back in the middle, um, and then KJ Wright didn't set the edge right, and you know they blocked it perfectly, they played it perfectly, and the Seahawks had guys 
I don't want to say out of position because they were playing what the defense was called, but they they were blitzing from one side and they ran it to the other. And you basically you take that player out of the play just by what you called. So um, there's a coaching aspect to that, and you can't be you can't be rushing the passer and blitzing when the other team is running and expect it to work. And it didn't. It went for you know sixty some yards, and and that changed the game. It did change the game. You know, and then they came back. Like I said, we failed to convert on fourth and one. Giants drove 48 yards for the second touchdown. Um, and, and the offense just couldn't recover. Couldn't play from behind. Couldn't recover. And it, it, was, it was doomed. You know, I don't know what the answers are on the offense. I think you need to simple it up. You need, you need to really evaluate that quick-hitting type offense. It worked scripted-wise in the first drive. I think you need to stick mm-hmm. with that and, and get that running and game going because in typical Brian Schottenheimer, Schottenheimer format, he, um, whatever is working, he's going to stop doing and go to something else. Um, because that's what he's done his entire career as an offensive coordinator, including his time in Seattle and what they had that was working. He stopped doing and the offense never recovered. All right. Let's talk about some players that that stood out to you or, or didn't um obviously we've already talked about wilson let's talk about the, the two wide receivers medcalf and lockett and i want to talk to you medcalf's still kind of doing his thing although i wish they they fed him the ball they wish they generated plays for him uh to, to get mm-hmm. him into open space more uh with that said i wanted more. to talk to you about tyler lockett a little bit he had a knee injury come up i don't know three four weeks ago where he tweaked the knee and so forth to me, I'm mm-hmm. not sure if, if he's been as impactful since, and I'm wondering if maybe you're sensing a little bit there where um, he's just not getting open. Uh, Russell Wilson's having to kind of hold the ball a little longer because he's looking to lock it, and he's just not there. So he's having to go down, check down, and it takes just one more tick off the clock. Yep. Um, I, I don't think Lockett's fully right. Um, and in this game, though, he started out the first drive. He was the guy, made some big plays. Um, had some other catches and, you know, things looked okay. And then he took a knee to the helmet had to be um, evaluated for a concussion passed the concussion protocol and all of that. So he was able to get back out and play more. But if you'll notice, he was not productive after he came back. So I don't know if he had also kind of looked like he tweaked his ankle on the play. Um, and so maybe that had to do with it. Uh, but there was def there was definitely like he just wasn't productive. He wasn't getting open like he normally would. Um, and it was you could see that the offense when the uh, opposing defenses are lining someone up on Metcalf and they're rolling a safety. They're bracket coveraging him with two guys. Um, he's getting double covered. And they did that all game in this one. Um when that's happening you're getting single coverage elsewhere and those guys have to get open. And uh, against Arizona, it was Lockett who got open a lot. And that's why he has 20 catches and I don't know, what is it? 400 and some yards against Arizona in the two games this year, because he did get open. Um, he took advantage of them trying really hard to shut down Metcalf. Um, but in this game, you know, that kind of, those kind of mismatches didn't happen. Uh, David Moore has been absent. Uh, he's not showing up on offense the way he did early in the year. He's not making the same plays. How he did. big of and a so deal again, is it uh, to have Greg Olson out? 
I don't know if it is a big deal to have Greg Olson out. I mean, Greg Olson did, he, he's such a great pro in terms of his ability to, to block, run block, pass block, um, get open, make catches and all those kind of things. But athletically, he isn't the greatest player anymore. I mean, he's 37. Um, having Will Disley out there, Will Disley is the better athlete at this point, better player, and does all the same things really well. Um, and so I don't think that it uh, it really matters as far as that. It's just a matter of, you know, maybe it was because they had two tight end sets and they left Disley in to block and it allowed um, Olsen to go out. But now you can leave Disley in to block and let Hollister go out and route. Um so how big is it? I just don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it being a thing that's going to cause. How this. big do you think it is now to possibly get a guy like Josh Gordon back into this offense, given the struggles that we're currently going through? Actually, I think it could be huge. Um, I mean, obviously, you're this late in the game. He hasn't practiced. It's going to take him three weeks to get up to speed once he gets past all the COVID stuff. But for him to come in and take some of the pressure off of, um, you know, Brandon or David Moore and Swain and those guys in order to have another reliable um, receiver as the number three option or the number four option behind the top two guys. I think that could do a ton for this team. He's the one guy on the roster other than Metcalf who I trust. to Well, and you can move chains with with Gordon. (laughs) He's a chain mover. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, what about yeah. a guy like Parkinson? Um, do you think they'll work him into a situation where he could be a red zone um, target this this year? You know, he he. I I don't know. Um, I think the, for him, the lack of training camps really hurting his his ability for the coaches to get him on and the for field Russell and do Wilson stuff. to to trust him. Yeah, I mean that's then that's the other part of it is you know how many of those plays where he throws it to a guy that you think is covered, but it's such a good throw. And then also he trusts the guy to go get it. Um, and then, but why would he trust a guy? He's, who's never caught a pass from him that he doesn't know. He's never practiced with. Um, and so I just don't see, uh, Parkinson getting a lot of snaps unless there's another injury. Um, but I mean, you never know. Uh, they might be working on something in practice and they throw him out there and he makes a couple plays and, and, you know, then that changes the whole, the whole setting. But, as of right now, I just don't know. I don't know we're going to get much out of him this year. Let's flip it back to the defense. Jordan Brooks, career-high 43 snaps, 11 tackles, team high, uh, tied with yep. Jamal Adams. Jordan Brooks is really starting to come into his own. I really enjoy watching Jordan Brooks play. He just brings that speed element that we've lacked from that position for a few years. And um, I think going forward, uh, sky's the limit for this guy. Oh, yeah. This was... Um, he's a good player and he's a great athlete and he's going to be, he's going to be fantastic for Seattle. Um, they brought him along slowly. They gave him, you know, they, they haven't thrown him out there and asked him to be the star, you know, from day one. And I really think that worked in his, in his favor. They've, um, they've given him an opportunity to work on certain things, have certain roles, really learn as he goes and learn from, Bobby Wagner, who's one of the best ever put on a helmet. And uh, I think it's been great for his development. And he just looks like a budding star. Like as this is a team that the defense has had Bobby Wagner in the middle of it as kind of that centerpiece since he was drafted in 2012. 
And you kind of get the feeling that Jordan Brooks has that I'm going to carry on his legacy uh, type attitude and um, ability. And it, it's going to be fun to watch him continue to develop. But he's been really, really good the last like three yeah, games. He's a great scheme fit for the Seahawks. It seems like they're going to be able to play him on both sides, uh, you know, uh, strong side. And, weak. and my guess is that if if Wagner got hurt, uh, Jordan Brooks would start at middle. Well, linebacker. in addition, Keith, uh, you know, nobody wants to talk about this, but at some point you need to talk about value versus production with Bobby Wagner. And, you know, he's going to want to continue to get paid as he's getting paid right now, you know, and um, usually know. guys that get he, cut uh, uh, in, in as far as pay end up switching teams because they just can't, they can't make that move with the team they've been with a long time. And I hate to have that happen with Wagner. You kind of want to see I don't, him retire. I don't here. think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen with Bobby in the next. Well, year are they going to continue to pay him fourteen to sixteen million a year? To yeah, if he were to, to drop. To say, leave, now this year he did. He hasn't NFL, dropped off to lead the NFL but in let's tackles say, to be continued let's say this defending year, the past forty yards this downfield year and he's doing, doing it well. That. And next, and he's got hundred say one hundred thirty five, hundred forty tackles this year. Say after next year, he ends up with like 100 tackles. He's missed three or four games because of nicks and bruises and so forth. And he's not covering guys like he used to. I mean, certain at, at some point, guys like Bobby will drop off a little bit, and you'll notice it on the field drastically from one year to the next. And, and that at that point, you have to decide whether or not you're going to continue to pay a guy to be not as good. Even though he's a Hall well, of Famer, the thing is, you'll wait. Um, you'll wait until that happens, and then you'll make that call. I don't. I think that um, he's a he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, um, All Pro, great player, great leader. I mean, he's everything you want on a uh, well, as a middle and for linebacker. The franchise, and it's, it's huge. Yeah, and so he's not going anywhere. Um, but to have a guy like Brooks who's going to play the weak side linebacker um, and he's going to be the starter there. He's going to be the guy that you, you know, uh, write in and pen as the starter there long-term. And then two, three years from now, when uh, Bobby does end up retiring or um, slowing down or getting hurt, that's when Brooks slides into the middle, which is where he played a senior year in college and he takes over the defense. And then when, you know, Bobby gets healthy and comes back, maybe, you know, Wagner starts playing, you know, that weak side or, or doesn't really matter. Um, but I think what you're looking at is, is you've got the, the, the old vet and the young, young rookie and the two of them are both great and they're going to, they're going to get a chance to be great together for two or three years after this. All right. We'll see how that plays out. Um, so let's move on. Let's get away from this disaster of a game and move to an, another opportunity. We've got the 0-12 New York Jets coming into Seattle against the 8-4 Seahawks. Seahawks currently in second place by virtue of a tiebreaker with the Rams and the NFC West. Uh, the Jets fired their coordinator, defensive coordinator, as we discussed earlier, Greg Williams. Coach Frank Bush is the interim uh, defensive coordinator. He was their inside linebacker coach. So we don't know exactly what the scheme is going to do. Um, the Seahawks are probably going to play it straight uh, as far as uh, scheming as things were normal and they'll have to adjust on the fly. 
Um, Gents are horrible. Uh, they're really bad on uh, defense, but they're even worse on offense. Um, the Jets defense ranks 29th overall. Bottom five pass defense in 2020. Ranked third against the run, though, um, which is interesting. Kind of mirrored the Seahawks. Well, uh, sort of a, a, if a you defense. look at it's what's interesting about that is that they have been behind all year. They have been anemic on offense. They are one of the worst offenses the league has seen since the 1992 Seahawks. Um, and I mean, they're they they are that bad. Uh, so the fact they've been behind in these games, but they're still not giving up a lot of run yards because if you're up 14 points, 17 points on a team, you're going to run the ball. You're going to shorten the game. You're going to get get over with. And you're going to get out of there and go home uh, with your win. And teams are trying to run and they're not doing well at it. Um, and that has been kind of the one thing offense or defense that the Jets do well is they stop the run. Um, so, so this may or may not you know, be the best game to bring along Chris Carson and, and uh, Carlos Hyde run into a brick wall. Well, I think absolutely. Um, but at the same time, they know you want to run the ball. So do you think that they, they know that you want to establish that against Russell Wilson? The way Russell Wilson's played the last few weeks, I yeah. would. At least you got to start that. Um, way. Yeah, stock, stack the box, make make Russell throw it, and um, see what happens. Now, what it does though is it gives the Seahawks an opportunity because you know the Jets are bad in every other phase, right? They can't stop the pass, they can't uh, play offense in any way. So, go run some play action. Go get put Russell on the move. Go um, get him outside the pocket with a you know. Uh, multiple layers downfield to, to find an open guy. Um, take advantage of the Jets' run defense and their desire to stop the run Great by getting in there with two tight ends and a, um, or three tight ends and a, uh, and a running back and, and, and stack the box, get them in their run defense, and then play action and, and, and go forth that way. Um, you can do those kind of things to a team like the Jets. And you, you know, you should be able to do about whatever you want to do. And we talked about it earlier. You know, we should have been able to do whatever we wanted to do against the Giants, but instead we allowed them to dictate what we uh, were, were trying to do. You know, the, yeah, anyway, I just, I, if the Jets are going to give you the pass, go ahead and take advantage of that. I mean, Russell Wilson's great at that. Um, if they're gonna, if they're not gonna stack the box and they're just gonna rush four and and they're gonna play back a little bit, um, it'll be interesting to see if we do decide to run the ball and how effective we can be at doing that. Um, Sam Darnold, poor guy, <laughs> he's their he's their quarterback. He's got fourteen hundred yards on the year, five touchdowns, nine interceptions, sixty four passer rating, third overall in the two thousand eighteen draft out of USC. Jets looking at the number one pick overall in the draft and will likely move on from Darnold and select one of Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, you know, uh, out of, uh, Ohio state. Uh, and then Darnold's going to be out, uh, looking for, for a job. I think he's probably under contract next year, but, uh, you almost have to start over. I think they're probably going to end up jettisoning Adam Gase as their quote, as their coach. Um, which they they need and, to do. and they just need to I mean, start over you know i mean look at 
Look at how much better the Dolphins are with better coaching. Um, and the fact that the Jets hired Gase after the job he did in Miami was, I, I did, it was, un, I didn't understand it. Um, and he's shown that he's not the guy. So yeah, they need to jettison him, his coaching staff. They need to start over. And what I, if I was the Jets, what I would do is I would go do um, what Arizona did a couple of years ago and that go find yeah. the right coach, the quarterback coach that runs this. Right. Yeah. To, that goes, that runs the system that you want Trevor Lawrence to run, go draft Trevor Lawrence with the right coach, have that pairing together yeah. that you know is going to work. Let me ask and, you this. There's a rumor out there yeah. that Doug Peterson's going to get canned in, in Philly oh, I, I and was, New York he, would, would hire him to be the coach. Oh, they'd hire him in a second. Um, because you know, he's honestly, a great, he is a great quarterback coach in yeah, normal times. I, I, I don't know what's going on with wins, but yeah, I don't get, um, what's going on with in Philly at all because like he won a super bowl, right? I think it's injuries um, quite honestly. I really do. He took a, he took a he took a team that everyone thought was kind of mediocre that lost its starting quarterback late in the year and still won a Super Bowl. Well, he um, didn't win great it. coaching. Now he took the team. He took there the team to and, the playoffs, got, but he, he didn't um, make it through. Not the time we went. Talk about Peterson. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so uh, they ended up, you know, with Nick Foles. Yeah, that was a great uh, team. Got, that was, got they them were coached through. very well. Absolutely. Yes. And, and then the wheels. Have and come. I know. The wheels have come off, and I know that a lot of that um, offensively had to do with Frank Reich leaving um, and becoming the head coach in Indy. I think he's a fantastic coach, um, and I think that he's very much missed in uh, Philadelphia. But it was that was still Peterson's team. It was still they still did all that. I just the idea that a couple years after winning a Super Bowl the way they did, that you would jettison the front office and, and the coaching staff and start over. I, well, the Seahawks almost dead in 2017, 18, but they do. That was Pete Carroll. Yes, doing. But that wasn't but everybody, that, but Pete Carroll was, was gone. Um, no, the entire front office. Did. Well, you know what I mean? The he Pete Carroll made the decision to change up the coaching staff. Um, and and get some some new eyes. You know, maybe maybe if Peterson goes in, in and and sells the shit out of sorry, uh, that situation, he could probably possibly do that as well. Um, if if he can convince management that he's still the guy, um, but we'll, we'll see. Um, okay, so you know they've got some pieces, uh, but they are very talent deficit oriented as far as the team is concerned. Uh, Mika Becton is their first round pick in 2020. Denzel Mims, second round pick in 2020. Both those guys are, are doing okay. Uh, Jamison Crowder, their, their big time wide receivers only got 40 catches for 503 yards uh, so far this year, five touchdowns. That's just coming out of a very anemic offense, but he's still a great player. Frank Gore, the ancient one, uh, is is been running for them, although he left that Raiders game after a couple plays with a concussion. Don't know what his status is. If he can't go, you're looking at Ty Johnson 
and Josh Adams uh, to, to carry the ball. Those two guys are adequate. They do run the ball somewhat effectively because they're very, very poor at passing the ball. Um, guys that we've known from Seahawks past play uh, for this team. Bradley McDougal, uh, currently on injured reserve, injured his shoulder October 31st. Doesn't look like he's going to be back in this situation. So George Fant, though, is playing right tackle. Uh, he was out for a game uh, before this last one, came back for the, uh, the Raiders game. He should be playing. Um, and another couple of guys, um, Neville Hewitt is a tackling machine for them at linebacker. He's a guy on defense uh, that helps uh, that run game out tremendously. And then Lamar Jackson at cornerback is a guy that we talked about pre-draft quite a bit as being a late-round flyer guy out of Nebraska long developmental type corner ended up starting for them right away beat beat everyone he needed to beat out of camp and has been doing uh, fairly well with them along with Bryce Hall and then Quinnen although he he was the player beat by the double move on the final play of that Raider game yeah like well against against uh, Jalen Rager right why are you biting on it? Yeah, but on, one of the on best that, rookies, on that rookie wide receivers in the game right now. Yeah, I know, but you know what I'm saying. No, I get right? it. But it, it's you also have a coach that, that called it all. Oh, he was he was naked out so there all alone on an island. Uh, and then Quinn and yeah. Williams as uh, their defensive end. You know, that's it. I mean, really, when you think about it, all the that's their team essentially, um, and and it's just been really ineffective. And I kid you not, Keith. Uh, if the wheels come off the Seahawks for this game and they end up losing this thing because no team wants to it's go 0-16 in a year. They desperately want to win. They thought they had it against the Raiders. They've got that mindset this week. They know that Seattle's kind of on the ropes a little bit. They want to come in and just wing it, see what happens. Uh, they've got nothing to lose. A new defensive coordinator. Um, this, this is definitely a... a a game that the Seahawks should win by double digits. Um, and if they do not, uh, it's time to really reevaluate everything. But I anticipate them being able to take this game. I really do. Listen, Seahawks have been playing crappy, but this is a team where you kind of get right um, against. This is the worst team in the yeah. NFL. Um, I know Jacksonville really wants to uh, to own that title, but I'm sorry, Jacksonville fans, the Jets are worse than you. Um, it's true. This is a team that early in the year looked, was bad enough that Trevor Lawrence actually came out and said, if they have the first pick, I might stay in college. <laughs> he did. He um, did. That's how bad yeah. they were early in the year. So, um, he might reconsider if they jettison their entire coaching staff and, and have somebody that's in there that's going to be uh, perfect for him. But yeah. they've got a long ways yep. to go. But yeah, I mean, you're looking at a situation where this team is terrible and the Seahawks have no business having this be a close game. If this is a close game, then there are things seriously wrong with Russell Wilson right now. Like maybe he's hurt in ways that we don't know and is throwing shoulder or elbow or something. Um, but if if this isn't a blowout win, uh, I think it's safe to be worried about uh, the direction of this yeah, team. I would say our defense should be able to hold them to 10 points. I mean, that's how bad they Easy. are on, on offense. And then our our offense should be scoring 24 to 35 points. You know, if we can get back to that sort of a situation, we should, we start winning games like that again. 
Uh, and you've got to get right before you face Washington, an improving team on the road. And then... Which has a good Which defense. has a great defense, actually. Probably one of the better defenses we'll face down the stretch. And then you've got the Rams at home and then the 49ers improving, desperate to kind of get in the back the back side of the, of the playoffs. They've got a long ways to go. I don't think they're going to... They're not going to make it. But because, nonetheless, I mean, they would game, nothing more than to disrupt the Seahawks' plans. The 49ers are getting healthier, though. I mean, that's... The, the thing with them was they were devastated by injuries. Um, but they're starting to get guys back. Um, Mozart is back running the ball for him. Richard Sherman's back out there. Um, they're starting they're to get They're supposed to get healthy. their tight end back by the time they face the Seahawks. Yep. So uh, they're a better team now than the last time Seattle played them. Um, although if you watched this last week's game, uh, Richard Sherman did not look like he should have come back yet um, from injured reserve. He, it was a very rough for him, uh, in, on Sunday's game. So, so um, how do you think this, I don't like to see, he's such a good guy. How do you see this playing out? I mean, what are you seeing right now from the Seahawks that gives you any encouragement at all? And, and if not, how do you see this thing ending up? Well, I mean, what I see in all of this is a defense that is improving. They're playing together. They're playing smarter. They're getting healthier. Um, and yeah, okay. They made a couple mistakes in the running game and, and got burned uh, in this last game, but they only give up 105 yards passing. Um, they're getting to the quarterback. They're getting pressure. They're, they're doing things now that they couldn't do early in the, uh, in the uh, season. So I'm very encouraged by that. Um, the offense needs to figure some stuff out. And it starts with the coaches. It starts with um, with Schottenheimer. They've got to stop being cute and just line up and do what you do. And that's uh, you know. Do you see passes. them? Let do you see them getting stuff. away from passing early on first and second down, and getting no. more into the run game as as been kind of desired by Pete Carroll? He may have come out and said, "I want it more balanced. I we need to have more balance." Yeah, he wants it more balanced and whatnot, but would would that be in service to this offense right now, given the struggles? No. So you just continue to throw the ball, but better, better routes, quicker, quicker routes, less time developing, and that's the way out of this mess. Yeah, honestly, you you have to fix what you're doing because what you're doing clearly isn't working. Well, you've right? got to be able to um, take advantage of what the defense is giving you or trying to take away. And they, yeah. And, they, and they're not doing any of that. They're just really not scheming smartly in any way. And then on top of that, you have Russell Wilson being very tentative and gun shy and missing passes that he wouldn't normally miss. Um, one that comes to mind is one down the, the left sideline to Freddie Swain, who was open down the sideline and Wilson missed him by like 10 yards and almost threw a pick. The, guy, the, the, the safety should have, should have picked it off, uh, hit him in the hands. And uh, when was the last time you saw Russell Wilson throw a pass that was that far off? Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, you look Never. at, you Never. look at Wilson's statistics, 27 to 43, 263 yards, a touchdown, had an interception, lost a fumble. Um, well, the interception also uh, hit someone in the but hands. Those, and it got True. popped up in the and, air. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna burn him. But for those that. stats point to not awful, 
but it it it's just the way that he looks doing it. He's just discombobulated. Mm-hmm. The whole offense is out of sync. There's no rhythm to any of this stuff. In between a reception, you've got a couple of, of drop passes or overfiring or underthrows. Um, nothing looks easy for right. the offense right now. Right. Um, other than that first drive until right. it stalled. And there's right been a couple the, other drives, a handful of drives in the last four or five games that have looked easy. Everything looked but easy in that, the first seven nothing games. Looks easy. Everything looked easy. Nothing, nothing looks easy for them right now. And and you have um, to say that the the defenses against us have figured this out, and that's the difference. I mean, that's the difference, that. right? I mean, everything else is basically the same. It's the way that we're being defensed and not adjusting to that. To me, is a big, huge part of this. And I have mm-hmm. to. You have to look at the way Schottenheimer is calling the the the, the plays, scheming this thing out. Yeah, I mean, there was there's not a lot of play action anymore, and when they do, it's not even. Yeah, it's like really slow yes, developing right, play right. action. It's, you can, um, you can, yes, you can diagnose those plays very quickly to me. Yeah, right, and and so they're not doing a lot of play action, and when they do, it's 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 really slow. They're doing a lot of. Uh, very slow developing route combinations where everybody's going deep and there's not, uh, other than like a running back, there's no one underneath. Yeah, that's what I'm talking um, about. And, and it, this is a lot of problems. And then part of it in this game wasn't just on Wilson. I mean, uh, one of the drives stalled when, uh, Chris Carson just got ran over trying to pick up a blitz and didn't even really offer resistance, got hit, ended up on his butt and, uh, Wilson got sacked. And, <laughs> Um, you know, that kind of stuff doesn't help. Like you, you, you can't have that, uh, cause that, that kills drives and it did, it was a third down and, and that's boom, why I have done, to give, so. you know, a little hats off to the giants defense. I mean, with the f- five sacks and 10 hits, um, and, and lo- losing 45 yards on those sacks, that's, you know, the, yeah, that's on Russell Wilson, but man, the defense is going to make that happen. And they did, you know? And then mm-hmm. we went away from what was working. I mean, Chris Carson had, what, 50 yards or 60 yards on a handful of carries, really, like 10 carries, um, 13 carries, 65 yep. yards, 28-yard TD went, pass. Went away from what was working. Right. That's a Brian Schottenheimer, like, that's his, his trademark. And we were, you know, we had the third quarter to kind of exploit running the ball and we just didn't we we ended up screwing the uh screwing ourselves on the fourth and and, uh inches play we ran that we we should have run chris carson up the middle and it just you 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 have chris carson or you know what it was fourth and inches why does this team hate the quarterback sneak every other team does it and i you what you because your quarterback's short he's still over 200 pounds Like, get, let him, you know, do his thing. And I just. Yeah. I'm very frustrated. Yeah, well, and it, <laughs> yeah I know. It's just, it, it was just weird. And it was one of those plays where I called it out at the time. I was like, man, they've just got that diagnosed. It's like the defense knew exactly what we were going to do. And they just completely blew mm-hmm. that thing up and had no chance, no chance at all. And it's looked like like three or four of the last five fourth down attempts where the defenses just absolutely know 
what we're going to do. And yeah. Russell Wilson not, is not. There's not a lot of creativity. They're running. The let me same ask you this: that they Russell Wilson doesn't year, seem to be down. able to to get up to the line and diagnose things um, accurately. Well, if you if you look at what's happening, they're getting up to the up to the line with like five seconds left on the play clock. They're not giving him an opportunity to diagnose what's going on uh, pre-snap. The plays are coming in really late. And they're getting out of the huddle and getting up to the line really late. And uh, that's got to stop. That's why That's why you need to when, go into some sort of hurry up where you don't even huddle. You just let Russell Wilson call the plays. He knows the offense. Yeah, but, he knows what they're trying to do. He knows what's working, what feels right. Come on. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the things that I, I liked about um, Mike Holmgren when he was here was they had the, the, the slow hurry up where they'd get to the line and then Matt would sit there and look at the defense, figure out what, what their, what their call is, decide what he wants to do. So they're not, they weren't running, you know, get to the line, snap the ball, like all those plays, but they weren't huddling and they weren't letting the defense. You know, um, here's the, this happens so consistently. This has to be a mandate from Pete Carroll because this is the way that they want to do it. It's ball control. They want to run that clock all the way down so that they take less. They give, they allow the other team less of an opportunity to have the ball by controlling the clock as much as they can. And one of the ways they do that is run the clock all the way down to zero every time. But it, it, it bites them. But it bites them frequently. It does bite them because they're not getting, they're not doing all the things they need to do. Pre-snap. Um, pre-snap. I agree. Because they wait so long to get to the line. I agree. Line. I totally get, agree. So get to the line five seconds earlier and still don't snap it until there's In addition to that, left. but he's got Schottenheimer in his helmet. It's like they talk to each other throughout the, the when, when he's at the line, he's probably calling out specific players or different things where he's seeing, you know, uh, a defender shade to one side or another. All that kind of stuff is being communicated up till the snap. You know, so I don't know what's going on. It just, everything is not working. Like there are multiple things not working. Brian Schottenheimer, the play calling, the, the, the time uh, before the snap, the, the pre-snap diagnosis, the adjustments, the, uh, the, the dump-offs, getting rid of the ball, not taking sacks, the intentional grounding, um, the interception, the fumble, uh, that taking the snacks for 47 yard loss. There are multiple things going on here that are not good. And we mm-hmm. need to just strike each one of them off and try to take care of them as they come up because um, these things weren't happening the first six or seven games. They just weren't. Nope. I mean, and a part of it was that in the first six or seven games, the defense, or sorry, the offensive line was really, really good. And it hasn't been recently. Um, Brandon Shell's injury has really thrown uh, a wrench into all of that. And they're not getting, you know, out of the left guard spot. They're not getting a, as good a play there with Lupati uh, and Simmons both, you know, struggling with injuries. Um, they've had some problems at center, uh, although that's that should have been fixed with Posick back. But they've they have really struggled. um you know, on the offensive line the last few games. And it, that has a lot to do with what's going on. They're not opening the running lanes the way they were, and they're um, letting Wilson get hit more. 
It's not, it's not, I'm not saying it's bad. It's not like it was last year or the year before that, or any time when Tom Cable was here. Um, it's still better than, than that, but it has been significantly worse than the first five games in the year when the offensive line was truly uh, very good. All right. So let's get out of here. So, you know, we can, we need to figure out a way to get at least to 11 wins, get in the playoffs. It's going to be a wild card at 11 wins. We're going to be on the road. Um, we're probably going to face those giants again, or maybe this team coming up, the Washington football team. Um, you know, if we can get to 12 wins, win out, you know, the remaining games, mm-hmm. we have a better chance of, of having things in our favor a little bit, but we'll see. This game against the Giants was pretty costly. I mean, really costly. It was very costly. And, uh, they had, you know, this was a team that had, it was lined up for them to be the number two seed to win the, um, you know, win the division, have the number two seed, have home field advantage uh, for the first two rounds mm-hmm. of the playoffs. It's um, still have doable. It all, all that set up. Yeah, but now they need a lot of help. Well, they need Green Bay and they need uh, the, the Rams to, to help them out. We'll see. Need Green Bay to lose. We need they need the Rams to lose, and they need the Saints. Um, I mean, I guess the, the Saints could win out and and, and take that one yeah, seed. I and, think and, that's the way it's going to go. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's your the the team no longer controls what's going on. They're no no longer the two seed with everyone. Gunning well, we for can them. control it a little bit seed. by beating beating the next two opponents and then beating the Rams. I mean, the Seahawks need to win out. If they if they win out, I think that they're in pretty decent shape. Especially if they do win out, we we know that the offense came back around. Um, yeah, and I think they're in decent if the, shape. If, if the Seahawks win out, I, they they do win the division because um, they're tied with the Rams for record. They will have beaten the Rams in that, so they will have the better record for the, than the Rams guaranteed. Um, if the Seahawks win out, they win the division, and then we we go from there. But if they limp in, all bets are off. I mean, they've they're they're three and four in the last seven. After the hot start, they're three and four over the They last were six seven. and one at one yeah. time. So I know. Sometimes it just goes that way. I know. I was, you know, my prediction, you know, out of the prediction show, my prediction, I was so proud because I was, you know, I was pretty much eight. Eight for uh, eight, no, on my predictions, and then the wheels just started coming off everywhere. So, um, it's just one of those things. It's just one of those things. I I don't know how to explain it. Sometimes it happens. You know, I would expect as as amazing as a coach that that Pete Carroll is, as as amazing as a player as Russell Wilson, they're going to get this thing figured out and get it right. And this is the the game that it happens, and we'll just move forward. But that Giants game was rough. Um, so we just need to figure that out, get that out of the way and move forward. And, uh, hopefully we can do that this week. I remain optimist, optimistic, uh, that, that, that will happen. Um, you know, and I've seen it in the past where this team comes together in, in December and gets it done. So, all right. So, uh, follow Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. I'm at MW Seahawk. The show is at Hawk Playbook, Seahawkplaybook.com has all of the shows. And subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you get the show in the feed all the time and YouTube as well. So until next week, Keith, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWSeahawk. 
Keith is at Myers NFL, and the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.